Welcome to the James Mellon Podcast. I am Dr. James Mellon, and I am here to help you live your greatest life ever by living life to the fullest. What you're about to hear is one of my Sunday talks from our Celebrations of Love. I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to start my talk now, Um, but I want to start with this. This is where I left you a few weeks ago. No one is coming here to save you other than the transformed you. Well, this quote took on a lot of meaning to me in these last couple of weeks. Because right after that talk, that Friday, I flew to um, Kauai. And I got there on Friday night for the opening event, and we had a beautiful evening opening event. And then on uh, Saturday, we went and looked at all this, a lot of sacred spots in Kauai, which was really beautiful. And then, you know, Saturday night, we had a really nice dinner at Rita and Patrick's. I was staying with Rita and Patrick. And around four o'clock in the morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I woke up with this pain, this really deep pain in my arm. Now, I thought it had, it was the shoulder thing that I did at the gym. So I was like, wow, this is really hurting. So I took an anti-inflammatory, which I had for the pain in my shoulder. And I just walked around a little bit and, and it's not going away. It's just getting like heavier and heavier. And there's this big event planned at Reed and Patrick's brand new center that they just opened. And they have this whole thing planned. I'm like, I can't miss that. So this is probably nothing. It's fine. So, you know, and then I, could, then I noticed that it was in my chest too. And I'm like, wow, this is like, this is a lot. So I say to Reverend Jonathan, I said, I said, you know, I'm having a pain. I think it's my shoulder, but, and he goes, you want to go to the hospital? I was like, no, no, don't tell Rita and Patrick. Let's just, let's just go through, let's just do the service and we'll see if it feel, how it feels by the end of service. Well, it didn't change, but you know how when you put your focus somewhere else, you kind of forget? So it didn't happen. It kept being painful. But I did put my focus on the service. And we're at service now. And then out of nowhere, they give me this award called the Teacher of Teachers. And, you know, I have to go up on stage and they present me with the award and they ask me to say something. And I've looked at that tape now and I'm like, look at that. I'm in the middle of a heart attack and I actually am talking (laughs) coherently. I was actually making sense. And so I finished my little talk and I sat down and we finished the service and service was over and I turned to Jonathan and I went, and now we're going to the hospital. So we go to the hospital. We told Rita and Patrick said, we're going to the hospital. So we go to the hospital. Now, mind you, this whole time, I want you to look at this, look at this quote here. There's something about this teaching that is so profound because I knew I didn't need anyone to save me and that my philosophy, what I believed, right, my mama would save me, that the saving comes from within. And I also knew and believed that everything I needed, I would get. I was so clear. So Jonathan and I are actually making jokes all the way to the hospital. We get to the hospital. We're making jokes. We're you know, having fun. All of the medics that were coming in, the nurses and all coming in, they took me so quick. It was the nicest hospital I've ever been to in Kauai. And 
But the doctor suddenly disappeared for a while. And we're sitting talking, and this woman turned to me, and she said, don't think he's ignoring you. He's on the phone to Oahu. I said, why is he on the phone to Oahu? She goes, they're going to medevac you to Oahu. I was like, and why are they going to do that? She said, you're in the middle of a heart attack. And Jonathan looked at me, looked at me and he went, so much for your shoulder. <laughs> and so the doctor comes in and he goes, so, sir, you're in the middle of a heart attack. And um, when, did, when did you start feeling this pain? I said, about four in the morning. And he was like, it's one in the afternoon. I was like, I know, but I had things to do. And he was like, are you aware that every moment you wait, your heart is being damaged? I said, no, I was not aware of that. But what I am aware of is that my heart is fine. And he was like, no, you're having a heart attack. I said, no, I know, but it's going to be fine. So before I know it, I'm on a plane. God love you, you pilots, for getting people where they need to get to. And the people were amazing, and they're, you know, sticking IVs in me. And eventually, I was going to bring them, but then I thought it'd be distracting. Jonathan took pictures of everything. He, like, chronicled the whole thing. Them wheeling me to the plane, putting me on the plane, in the plane. He said, smile. And the whole thing's chronicled. We get to the hospital. They instantly wheel me into ICU. They set me up. The doctor comes in, very sweet, young doctor. He comes in and he says, here's what we're going to do. We don't know what's in there. We don't know what's causing the heart attack, but whatever it is, we just need your permission to do whatever is necessary. He said, which could be, we could put stints in. It might be open heart surgery. may have to move a valve. We just don't know. And I said, and I said, no, you don't have my permission to cut me at all. I said, if you get in there and have to put a stint in, I can go, I, I can be good with that. But anything more than that, no. And he said, well, what if it's life or death? I said, well, obviously, if it's life or death, do what you have to do. I said, but it won't be. And so I wouldn't sign it. I said, I'm not signing this part where you can do. And he was like, all right. So he goes in and um, I go in and I get put under, um, what's that drug that they gave me? Fentanyl. Fentanyl and something else. It was a cocktail of two things. And um, the title of my talk today... Oh, wait, wait, I didn't go there. Hold on. So I want you to take a look at this. So he goes in and he says... And I'm on the table, but he goes in and he says, it's your artery, your, your left artery, which ironically, in you, is your primary artery, which means you have a, whatever they did, cross-branch or whatever, you have it too, Joe, right? And so they go in and they, he said, yeah, it's completely shut down and it, it, it gives 80% of the blood to your body. He said, frankly, I don't know how you've been existing for as long as this has been, which is probably a long time. He said, so I'm going to put in three stints and I was fine. So I want you to look at this. Ernest Holmes said, it is necessary that we release all thoughts as well as things that clutter up our lives. When he said to me, your artery is clogged, it's actually not even clogged, it's shut down. It's completely closed. He said, there's a lot of plaque in there, a lot of stuff in there. He said, your other two arteries are wide open, totally fine. I thought to myself, what in my life am I not letting go of? What's in my life? 
What's in my past? What's in my history that I have allowed to stay around? Even as I teach it and I profess it and I do workshops on it and I write books about it, what have I allowed to just hang out in my artery? And the first thing that came to mind was, oh, I'm having the heart attack I should have had five years ago when Nora passed. When I really did my best to work through what I was feeling. And this congregation, this church, this center was my saving grace. I knew where I had to be every Sunday. I knew what I had to do. And I have been working through the grief for five years. And I have a grief therapist that I see every Monday morning. And I realized that this grief that I feel has come around really deep and vibrantly in the last year. So it makes perfect sense to me that I'm feeling all of this and my heart finally said, it's time. It's time to really clear this up. So when Ernest Holmes says, it's necessary that release all the thoughts as well as things that clutter up our lives, I have a physical example of that. But I want to ask you to look at what do you need to let go of? What are you still holding on to? I'm not going to stand here and say, because you could have a heart attack. That's not it. But you could have a life attack. You could have the most, the doctor has said to me, you are going to have so much more energy. And I thought, I don't see that, how that's possible. I said, but get ready, everyone. Apparently, I'm going to have way more energy than I've ever had, than I've had in the last five years. Um, But think about that. You could have the most vibrant life, the most successful, amazing life if you are willing to declutter your mind of all the yeah buts, the thoughts, all the history that proves why you can't or shouldn't. That's really where I went to. So, the title of my talk is The Dinner Party. And yes, that is Downton Abbey. Which is kind of how this felt. So, I am on the slab... They've got this arm over this side of the table, and it's, you know, covered because they're going to go through my arm to my heart. And on this side of the table is some nurse, you know, nurse dealing with my uh, uh, anesthesia. And so he tells me he's going to put the three stints in, and when he tells me this, I say to him, you know, it's okay, I'm in the middle of a dinner party. Because... On this side of the table are these amazingly dressed people at a dinner party. And I'm ha- fentanyl. And I'm having this <laughs> I'm having this amazing dinner party with these people and what we're doing at this dinner party is discussing Troward and Emerson. We're having this great discussion, but every now and then they ask me something or say something and I turn from that picture to whoosh, oh right, the doctor's in my body. And, and every time he says something to me, I'm going to put the three stints in. You're probably going to feel a little something. I'm like, it's okay. And at one point I said to him, I said, you know, you won't believe this, but I'm actually in the middle of a dinner party. And I don't think I can tell them what's going on. And so I was really great entertainment for these people. So why do I call the title of my talk the dinner party? Well... Because the operation went well. The doctor came in and told me, three stints, they're in. And um, 
you're fine. Your body's fine. You're a very strong person. You're, you're in great shape. Everything's good. So uh, we're going to release you from ICU the next day. Um, he said, we're going to send you home from ICU. And the, all the people in ICU that were so fabulous to me, they were all like, we don't know how to release a patient from ICU. We don't release patients from ICU. They go to a room, recover another day, but we've never done, it was hysterical. They're like, we're going to talk about you for a long time because we're releasing you. So they release me from ICU and I fly back to Kauai. And I'm feeling like exemplary patient, like everything else I do. It really went well. And um, I'm I'm back in Kauai. I'm like, I'm not going to do the rest of the workshop. I'm going to do my workshop at the end of the week, but that's it. So I'm just laying in the most splendid place on earth, you know, having this lovely, quiet time. Jonathan and I did go to the Hindu monastery, but I walked slowly. It was great. Most of you don't know this part of the story. I woke up on Thursday morning. So that was, I got home Wednesday, I got home Monday night. I was good on Tuesday. Wednesday night, I went to the, the fire, the, the pit fire they had on the beach. It was fun. Thursday morning, I woke up and I couldn't breathe. And I couldn't catch my breath. And it was like early, and I thought, oh, do we, oh. So I grabbed my, my uh, blood pressure thing, which they'd given me, and I check it, and it was 227 over 130. And I was like, even I know that that's high. I was like, okay. So I walked downstairs, and I'm like, I think we need to go back to the hospital. <laughs> the three of them were like, what? What? I was like, everybody calm down. It's all good. Obviously, something's you know happening here. So I, I get my shoes on, and Jonathan and I walk out to the car. We're about to get in the car, and I was like, no, I don't want to drive. Call an ambulance. I'd like them to start on me as soon as they get here. So the ambulance comes, and... I do demonstrate the most handsome fireman. <laughs> really. It's like these guys were like right out of a magazine. <laughs> to which point Rita, standing next to me, says, I'm feeling some chest pain myself. <laughs> and I was like, I was like. So they came in and the first thing they said was, and this is true, you can, you can ask them, they're all here. They're all coming to the gala. Uh, the, the guy said, the fu- not the fireman. No. <laughs> That's how well I demonstrate. The firemen are coming to the gala. No. Um, Rita, Jonathan, and Patrick are coming to the gala. And the, fire, the fireman said, he said, could you take your shirt off? So I take my shirt off. <laughs> and the fire, two of the firemen went, damn, you're in good shape. I was like, see, I get this wherever I go even in the midst of what may be a second heart attack. And so they get me going, they get me into the ambulance, they get me to the hospital. Jonathan's with me. That loving man stayed with me the entire time. Flew with me over there, stayed by my side. And we're in the, we're in the, we're in the hospital now, and the doctor comes back and he goes, you're having a second heart attack. I was like, what? I said, no. I said, I don't have any of the feelings. He goes, the numbers are on the page. We just took the blood test. You're having a second heart attack. We're flying you back to Oahu. I was like, oh, they're going to be so disappointed (laughs) that they let me go. So I go back to Oahu and back into the ICU. And the doctor comes in. He goes, we have to go back in. He said, but I got to tell you, he said, I just don't see what's possibly, I, I can't fathom 
what could have happened? He said, he said, he said, so I'm just going to say that I'm expecting to find nothing. He said, but it's very possible you will need open heart surgery. And that means he said, I would need you to sign off on that. And again, I said, you know what? If you determine I need open heart surgery, take me out of surgery and discuss it with me then. Because then my husband better get his ass over here. (laughs) Because Kevin, I had asked him not to come. He kept trying to come. And I was like, no, do not come. Stay there. It's all going to be fine. I said, but I can't go into open heart surgery and tell him it's all going to be fine. So the doctor went in and 15 minutes he saw I was fine. There was nothing wrong. But one of the medications lowered my, my, my heart rate so low that I couldn't breathe. And because I couldn't breathe, and because I'm a dramatic actor, I created a very high blood pressure from my response to not breathing. And he said, and the number that shot up that proved I was having a heart attack didn't, because it was actually lower than the number of when I got out of surgery last time. So it was actually trending in the right direction. That's my story. Now... I, I knew I had to tell you all my story. Oh, and then I got to go home pretty pretty quickly. And, uh, and now I'm on the mend, and I feel fine. I really do. But here's the thing. You know, at the end of the day, um, we're in this month called Express. <laughs> Express yourself. And I kept asking myself my questions in the five questions. You, you, I said, why am I here so many times? Why am I here in this, in, this, in this hospital? Why am I here in this plane? Why am I here on this operating table? Why am I here in ICU? Why am I here? And I kept listening, listening, listening. And then I kept saying, what am I expressing here? You know, in science of mind, ministers very often feel guilty or feel bad when they get sick or something happens to them because, I don't know why, maybe because they think they're, they're supposed to have gotten it. And if you get it, nothing's going to happen. Well, that's bullshit. (laughs) It just is. Life is going to happen. And sometimes life is going to happen and you haven't paid attention to how you created it in the first place. Now, here's the thing. I'm pretty aware. I pay attention to my thoughts, to what I'm thinking, to what I'm doing. And yet there can still be some things back here that I haven't necessarily really dealt with. And so I'm like expressing myself, expressing myself. But when I got to, when Kevin picked me up at the airport, have you all seen the movie Reds? Remember the movie Reds where Diane Keaton's, you said no? Yes. Oh, yes. Where Diane, you have to have seen that movie. Where Diane Keaton's waiting for Warren Beatty to come off the train because she thought he was dead and he wasn't. And he comes walking through the fog and, and then they hug. I was Diane Keaton. <laughs> and I'm standing at the pole at, 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 at luggage waiting. And Kevin came through the gate, through the doors of a baggage claim. And it's like we were the only two, we really were, there was only about four people in baggage claim. Um, and uh, he came walking towards me and that's when I lost it. That's when I just started crying. But not because I was, not, not, not out of sadness, because I had the answer to my questions. I had the answer to, um, to why was I here? 
I had my answer to, why is this happening to me? I had my answer to, what is it that I'm being called upon to express more deeply? What is it that I'm being called upon to express more profoundly from a spiritual perspective? How much more of God am I being asked to live? And I got it. I really got it. And so the answer comes from Winnie the Pooh. Piglet noticed, you guys can come up, Robbie. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. And I realized that, Scott, if you could give me that chair. I realized that, um, thank you, Scott. What I needed to express more of was the understanding that my life up to this point is not just a collection of stories and not just a collection of things that have happened to me over the years. It's not a collection of lovers and, and friends and, and relatives and churches and such, but that in fact, all of this is one thing. All of this is that interwoven tapestry of life. And it's all, all one amazing thing. And yet, at the end of the day, all of that wrapped itself into one understanding. places I remember all my life though some have changed some forever not for better some have gone and some remain all these places have their moments With lovers and friends I still can recall Some are dead And some are living But in my life I've loved them all And for all these friends and lovers There is no one compares to you And these memories lose their meaning When I think of love as something new Though I know I'll always have affection For people and things that went before I know I'll always stop and think about them But in my life I've loved you more So as I went through all of that stuff I got to the end 
I was back home in my house, laying in my bed, just looking out at the pool in the yard and looking out at the life that Kevin and I have created and thinking how quickly it could go away. I started to realize all of it's valid, all of it, all of the disappointments, the, the heartaches, Nora, Will, every aspect of my life, it all comes down to one thing. Do I or do I not know who I am? And if I do, then it's all valid. No compartmentalizing. This is good, this is bad. No, it's all a part of what makes me who I am at this point in my life. And I get another chance, another shot to take it all in and live it as if it's brand new. And of all these friends and lovers, there is no one compares to you and these memories they lose their meaning when I remember love as something new. Though I know I'll always have affection for people and things that went before, I know I'll always stop and think about them. But in my life, I love you Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the James Mellon Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the show. That way, you'll be sure to receive every new episode. And if you want to reach out and talk to me, you can always find me at my website, jamesmellon.org. Thanks again, and I will see you next time.